0: Good evening. Oh, don't know about you guys, but it's the end of the weekend, I'm tired. <laughs> it's the beginning of the week. It's the end of the weekend. <laughs> okay, we find ourselves in Romans chapter eight verses 31 to 39. For those of you that are at home, welcome and uh, follow along as I read. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, Who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long, we are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than victorious through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither Not even death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth, or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Fathers, we come this evening. We again thank you for your love and care for us. Thank you now for this opportunity to look at your word. ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to the things that you have for us that we may be able to recognize the security that we have in Christ Jesus, the finished work that's totally taken care of all of it, and uh, concentrate on uh, living according to the power of your Spirit and being the lights that you want us to shine as uh, before a lost and dying world. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Okay, Uh, in this passage here, we see the conclusion of the matter. Throughout Romans chapter 8, we have been dealing with the security of the believer. And um, uh, notice uh, on the intro there, in verses 31 to 34, the focus is going to be on the love of God the Father. And on verses 35 to 39, the focus is on the love of God the Son. If you were to look at uh, John chapter 17, verses 21 through 24, uh, Jesus specifically prays uh, that we would be one with him, uh, us in him, and him in us, and uh, God in him. And uh, so that that's uh, kind of the explanation there. Uh, so first of all, an introduction. Paul starts with, what then shall we say to these things? The these things refers to the issues that are brought up in this chapter, starting out with, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation. And uh, working through a few other things we'll see in just a few moments. Christ's atonement is complete, but our feelings, based on doubts and a lack of understanding, its completeness, can cause us to believe that it, Christ's atonement, is not sufficient. Notice, feelings based on either doubts, lack of faith, or a lack of understanding of the completeness of Christ's work. That can cause us to think, well, you know, maybe there's still something out there that can somehow mess this whole thing up. Um, It is interesting. Uh, Let me see. I I wrote the questions for Wednesday night. By the way, they're on the back table if you didn't get them yet. Um, And uh, reading through that chapter kind of sets your mind for, okay, what are we going to talk about this coming Wednesday? And then I've seen a couple of videos here recently um, on TikTok, one by Peggy Payne, for those of you that might remember her. And uh, she was talking about, I'd like to speak to the ex-evangelicals. There's a group of people out there that have been part of the evangelical church that somewhere in the West, they got their feelings hurt or something legitimately happened that was wrong. And so they left an evangelical-type church. Some of them left and maybe aren't saved, but some of them left, maybe bitter or whatever, but they find a home in another church that wouldn't be considered evangelical, and therefore they continue to spiritually, hopefully, thrive and grow and stuff like that. But I saw another one just the other day uh, where a guy said why he left the church And then he clarified he had left the evangelical church, and then he went on to say that he had gone to a church that was welcoming him and those from the LGBTQ community. And of course, he had said something about the evangelical church being judgmental, kind of like, you know, as I'm reading chapter 8 in the book, we'll have to wait until uh, Wednesday night to let you know everything that I thought there. But he's interviewing a lot of people from the underground church in totalitarian countries that wouldn't necessarily line up with us in everything. Hmm. And then you got this guy and a few other things going on. It's kind of like, you know, maybe somewhere in the rush. I, I, I think we teach good truth. Uh, this is our, our textbook right here. We're looking for what it says, and we try and stay faithful and true to it. Uh, I can tell you that, uh, Pastor and I both will tell you that we have grown over the years in our understanding, and things that we were taught we don't necessarily totally agree with, uh, but we're not willing to throw those brothers out with the bathwater. And maybe we all need to reconsider, especially if we're going where we think we might be going on Wednesday nights, uh, how we're going to be treating people. Uh, because the reality is, is though we may have the truth, or at least believe we do, we could become like the church of Ephesus. We're in having the truth, we're going to be able to spot those false teachers. And we leave our first love. Uh, only saying that because when it comes to the completeness of Christ's work, we, we think we understand it. And therefore, those other churches that don't believe in the security of uh, their salvation—question: Are they any less secure if they're saved, even if they don't understand that? Right. So that—that's the point I'm trying to make. We want to be careful that we don't get hung up on good doctrine at the sake of, at the expense of loving uh, a brother or sister, maybe helping them along. So letter B, persons who might threaten our security, verses 31 through 30, 31 B through 34, if God is for us, who can be against us? Well, Numbers 14, 9 says, only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 118, verse 6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Well, he can throw you in jail. He can torture you. He can kill you. Yeah. <laughs> um. Think about the last couple of years with, with COVID. Uh, the reality is, is sometimes we kind of get all agitated about what's going on in the political realm, uh, what health concerns there may be. It's kind of like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Does God not have all of that in His control? Okay? Yeah, but I don't like the way it's working. I don't, want, I don't like the way it's, it's working out, the, the way it looks, I mean, we'll get to that in a couple of verses. We're like sheep for the slaughter. No, we, we, I really don't like that. Yeah, uh, remember who's in control again? <laughs> okay, uh, it is God who is for us. Uh, when when we read these verses, sometimes I think we look at them as kind of like, "Well, that was for them then." It isn't for us today. Oh yeah? Let's look at the next verse. Uh, Notice he says, well we'll get to the next verse in a minute. Letter A, the word if here is a conditional particle signifying a fulfilled condition, not a possibility. I I love it when we translate other languages into the English we use words uh, we could have used these words over here but for some reason we use these words here and it's kind of like, it would have just been better if you'd said it the other way. Um, This could be Since God is for us, because God is for us, but they put the if there because that word would sometimes mean if, but then you got that uh, conditional uh, particle thing going on and so it's best translated because or since. Uh, The obvious implication, if one could take our salvation, they would have to be greater than God. So notice, we have a, uh obvious, I, I mean, we have a no condemnation status according to verse 1. In verses 9, 15, and 23, we have the Spirit of God as a down payment. Down payment, promise that we're going to pay the rest of it. Uh, we are sons or children by adoption of God and therefore heirs. Verses 14, 16, 17, 23. We were foreknown, predestined, called, justified, and glorified, all in the past tense, though we haven't experienced the last one yet. It's a done deal. Whole point being, God's for us. Who's going to undo that whole thing? Yes, sir. And again, due to a lack of understanding. You know, there are verses in Colossians and Hebrews that talk about, you know, this is true if you continue. Okay. And when you understand what Paul is saying in those situations, some might not continue. But what does that tell us about us, about them? They left us because they were not of us. If the work of God, and remember, New Covenant, what has God done? He's given you a new heart. He's put His Spirit within you, given you a new spirit, written His laws in your hearts to cause you to walk in His ways. Okay? Yeah, you still got the law of sin in your members. Lynn and I were listening to Proverbs on the way home today and talking about the fool like a dog that returns to his vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. We all know that verse, right? Did you ever apply it to yourself? Remember what we've talked about over the to- over the last few years? How many times do you go through the same trial and you fall on your face the same way every single time? See, that's some of the foolishness that didn't get worked out of us. And God's trying to work it out of us. Now... A couple of verses later, it says, you know, like a, a pestle, and I don't know, I don't know that one exactly, but it's like trying to get the foolishness out of a fool it is kind of like if you've got a stone bowl and a stone pestle, and you're crushing whatever's in there, it's like it's impossible. Thankfully, new heart, new spirit, the spirit of God living within us. Otherwise, we might continue on that same folly for who knows how long. Okay. But again, all of those things are showing, look, God is for us. We do not need to be concerned. Someone would have to be greater than him, and therefore Satan is not. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Uh, Number two, the word who who can be against us? Well, there's a few options. Uh, first of all, can others? John 10, 28 and 29. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So here you are. You're put in the hand of Christ. You can't get out. No one can get you out. God, who is greater than him, well, then greater than all. It's like this. And I love the the, the brothers, and I assume they're brothers that say, "Well, you can hop out." Kind of like, yeah, I'd like to see that one. <laughs> you know, kind of like, Where, where's the edge of the body of Christ? I want to, I want to get out of here. Uh, it does, it doesn't work that way, okay? So, who can others? How about can we? The Judaizers taught salvation uh, uh, needed to be maintained through the keeping of the law, and therefore one could lose their salvation by some heinous sin. Uh, How many churches uh, still teach that one can blaspheme the Holy Spirit in the sense of doing something wrong? Not in the sense of dying without Christ. Not in the sense of seeing Christ do a miracle here and then saying he did it by the power of Satan but they just do something wrong. And uh, it's kind of like, wait a minute, wait a minute. When you think about that, it's kind of like, it seems silly, but people teach it. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you, Galatians 5, 2 to 6, that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. If you think that you can somehow get in the good graces of God by keeping the law, Christ profits you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he's a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law. Uh, You have fallen from grace. For we, though uh, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith, Working through love. So again, you see this idea of uh, somehow doing something to keep your salvation, uh, or, or you could lose it by not. It doesn't work that way. How about can God? Uh, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Well, uh, or who can be against us? Verse 32 is a matter of could and would. If anyone could, it would have to be the one who gave it. If anyone could separate you uh, from the love of God, it would have to be the one who gave it. And of course, that is God. And notice, being all-knowing, he could have allowed for his removal of salvation ahead of time and would have warned us of such a thing. If one could lose their salvation, do you not think that God would have said, oh, by the way, if you do this, right? Right? I mean, that that is the character of God. He warns us ahead of time, doesn't he? But there's no such warning. And therefore, is he going to go back on what he has said? Obviously not. So so let me read verse 32 again since I said uh, would or could there. He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything. And it's amazing how many times Paul talks about uh, everything is for you, when he, especially when he's writing to the Corinthians. Uh, everything is going on. I'm doing it for you. Uh, God's doing everything for you. Uh, one of the things that I've been challenged with is, God, give me a vision for More. Not the enlarge my tent type thing, uh, uh, what's his name, Jabez's prayer, that kind of thing. But I want to be able to ask for something that God wants me to have, that God wants me to participate in, more than just the day-to-day. I'm, I'll continue to do the day-to-day and be faithful at it, but is this all there is? It, it might be. I'm, I'm good with that. But if there's more, Lord, open my eyes. Give me a vision for it. Let's be about the business. See what I'm saying? So uh, th- that's the whole idea. If he's willing to give us all things, and again, Missouri has a, a lottery right now, $790 million. I mean, could we not take care of a couple of problems with that? Lord, I'm going to buy a ticket, and I want you to let me win. I don't think that's what I'm talking about here, okay? It's, God, give me a vision for what you want. Is there, is, can I be doing more? Let's be about it. That kind of thing. Okay? Uh, So, number three. God's love is for us demonstrated. If God is for us, who can be against us? So it is demonstrated. He did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. The measure of his choosing to love us. Isaiah 53. Where am I here? 53, 4 to 6. And... Somehow that verse didn't get up here. Oh, goody, goody. Uh, if you go back there uh, and see Isaiah 53, you see that uh, God has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Uh, that's the passage there in verse 10 also. Uh, the measure of Christ's love for us, John 10, verses 17 and 18. And I do not understand how I didn't get those verses on here because I've got so many verses, it's pathetic. <laughs> um, okay, well, I missed those. Um, uh, John fourteen two and three. That's the in my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. The, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. So that's the measure of Christ's love for us. Uh, how about Romans four twenty five? Who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Okay, he was delivered up now, not only that, but he went willingly. No man takes my life from me, but I lay it down uh, Romans five six For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Uh, I'm not exactly sure why, but whether it be our culture, our society uh Somehow we've gotten this idea that those people are the ungodly. And we kind of forget that Christ died for the ungodly. We sure do want to be part of that group, right? You know what I mean? Because if he died for them and not for us, oops, we're in trouble. And then, of course, uh, verse 10 of chapter 5 for when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son much more having been reconciled we shall be saved by his life so uh, he did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all how shall he not with him also freely give us all things notice the word us here Starting in about chapter 8, verse 12, uh, to the present, Paul uses the first and second person, us, we, that kind of a thing, uh, all spiritual brothers. Uh, he, he, he's not saying you, he's including himself with them as being equal there, the word there, uh, uh, freely give is charizomai, to grant as a favor, gratuitously, in kindness, pardon, or rescue, deliver, uh, to forgive, uh, to give or grant. It carries the idea of forgiveness in 2 Corinthians 2, 7, and 10, 2, uh, 2 Corinthians twelve thirteen, Colossians two thirteen and three thirteen. 13. Uh, unlimited forgiveness brings impossibility to sin ourselves out of God's grace. Because when we sin, if we confess our sins, right? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if someone sits there and says, well, if uh, it's impossible to sin myself out of grace, well, I can sin more, right? Well, that's already been dealt with in chapter 6, okay? You can go back, look at the notes online, and listen to the sermon. No, may it never be. How can we who died to sin live any longer therein? God has made us new people. Okay, number four who what about satan we 've talked about others we 've talked about ourselves we 've talked about God. What about Satan? Notice it says, well, uh, notice Satan is called the accuser of the brethren in revelation twelve ten uh, We see examples of this in job uh, the accusation basically in job one uh, eight through eleven. Well, I guess I'm on the next page of notes, no I'm not. There it is. For inquire please uh, uh, of the former age consider the things I dis- uh the things discovered by their fathers. Oh, that's not the right verse. Okay. You know the story of Job in chapter 1. God uh has all the angels reporting to him. Satan shows up. He goes, "Hey, have you considered my servant Job?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take away the things you've blessed him with, and let's see what happens. So notice in your notes, worshiping God out of selfish motives. Do do some people worship God out of selfish motives? Uh, I think of the speakers that say, you know, if you will give so much today, God is going to give it back to you a hundredfold, shaken, patted down, stirred up. I mean, you're going to get rich. Oh, sure, I'll give. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, that some people do that, but that was the accusation. But in Job one eight, as well as forty two seven through eight, God calls Job. My servant, from the beginning of the book to the end of the book. So obviously God knows a little bit more about what's really going on there. Joshua, the high priest, in the days of the rebuilding of the temple, he is brought before the Lord. Zechariah 3, 1 and 2 says... Then he showed me Joshua the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Uh, whole point being is Joshua is there with dirty clothes representing uh, sin or whatever, and uh, God speaks to him, says, hey, we're giving you clean clothes, we're giving you a new turban, uh, that kind of a thing, uh, now go and do what you're supposed to be doing. So basically, First uh, John 1, 9, even though he's being accused. Uh, the next person that's being accused is Peter. In Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, what does that mean? Yeah, you're going to fall on your face. But when you return to me, encourage, strengthen your brethren. See, it's not the failure that's the issue. It's getting caught up in that failure and staying there. Uh, Satan uh, knows something about him, thinks that he can get him to stay there, and that's not going to happen. So that brings us to letter B, divine protection. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Isaiah 50, verses 8 and 9. He is near who justifies me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near, uh, near me. Surely the Lord God will help me. Who is he who will condemn me? Indeed, they will all grow old like a garment. The moth will eat them up. And then, of course, in Revelation uh, 12, 10, and 11, Then I heard a loud voice out of heaven uh, saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives uh, to the death so whole point being there, who's going to bring that charge? Even when there is legitimate charges. When Satan goes up to heaven and accuses, is he always lying? No. no. We give him plenty of ammo, don't we? Thankfully, we have an advocate, a lawyer, a defense lawyer, who raises the hand. Yeah, I, I died for that one too. Okay? So uh, though he may bring the charge... It is nullified. Uh, Notice it is God who justifies. And again, uh, we see that explained better in Romans chapter 4, starting in Romans 3, 325 through 26, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood. God was satisfied by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance. God had passed over sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at this present time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Again, Romans 4.25, He was delivered up for our transgressions and He was raised again for our justification. Uh, Romans five one, we are confident. Yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the. That excuse me, that's uh, 2 Corinthians uh, five eight. I don't know why I got that one. Five one, we have peace with God, being justified by faith. We have peace, peace with God. And then Romans eight one, uh, we have uh, there is therefore now no condemnation. Why? Because we're justified in Christ. So it is God who justifies. Uh, Number four, who? Well, what about Christ? If we can't and others can't and Satan can't and God's not going to, what about Christ? Who is he who condemns? It is Christ, first of all, who died. Second of all, and furthermore, is also risen. Who is at the right hand of God? So he's ascended in heaven And he's sitting at the right hand of God. And, of course, you see there's a lot of verses there that uh, express that. But it goes on to say, who also makes intercession for us. Now, the concept of intercession here is there is involvement in what's going on in our life. He is personally involved in not only what's going on, but talking to the Father on our behalf. According to the will of God. Again, is that prayer going to be answered? Yes. Because God, who has no sin, Christ, who has no sin, talking, there are going to be an agreement, and Jesus is praying according to the will of God, obviously. Therefore, the prayer is going to be answered. So the idea that he is, he's died, uh, he's risen, he's ascended in heaven, those are not as personal as he's making intercession. Yes, he died for your sins. He rose again for your justification. I understand. Very often we have a tendency to look at that as something that happened back here. Okay, now what's God doing? Well, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. King. What does that have to do with me? Actually a lot, because we're already seated in the heavenlies, but he makes intercession for you. Oh, personally Involved. Okay? So obviously, he is not going to be the one that condemns because he's involved in the positive aspect of things. Uh, Letter C Circumstances. Uh, See, in verses 31 through 34, it was people that might separate us from God uh, or might threaten our security. Now we're going to talk about circumstances that might threaten our security in verses 35 to 37. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, notice. There's another who, but are there any people talked about in the next section? Well, yeah, you could say angels, dominions, and principalities, and that kind of stuff. But notice, first of all, shall tribulation. The word there is flipsis, uh, pressure, affliction, uh, anguish, burden, persecution, tribulation, trouble, most often used of outward difficulties. Um, the guy going down 159 at 35 miles an hour. It's an outward difficulty, right? <laughs> um, and and I only use that one because we've already brought it up. Um, so it's most often used of outward difficulties. Is that going to separate us from the love of Christ? No. How about distress? The word there is steno- uh narrowness of room, calamity, anguish, distress. In such difficulties, God is faithful. When you're confined by pressures, that's the idea here. In those situations, God is faithful. 1 Corinthians 10.13, most people misunderstand 1 Corinthians 10.13. No temptation, difficulty, uh, distress has overcome you, but that which is common to man... And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tested beyond what you're able, but with the temptation, provide a way of escape so that you may be able to endure it. And then someone dies. I can't endure it. You are never intended to endure anything by yourself. Everything that we're involved in, we need the grace of God to get through. Jesus said, without me, you can do 90% of the stuff I'm calling, no, nothing. Zip. Nada. So the intention is, whatever's going on in your life, you're walking with God. God's walking with you, okay? And so whatever the distress is, He's going through it with you. And the idea of providing a way of escape, very often we have a tendency to think of escape as getting out of, and this says that you may be able to endure it, which means you're going through it, okay? And so therefore, uh, we're not, quote unquote, escaping in the sense of getting away from, but getting through. And getting through in a way that's honoring and pleasing to God, not just Well, I survived that one, that kind of a thing. Okay, so that's distresses or persecution, suffering affliction for the cause of Christ. Uh, Of course, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12, uh, suffering for the affliction for the cause of Christ comes with the promise of blessing. Okay. Uh, Blessed are you when they uh, call you names, when you suffer for him. Uh, Oh, how very happy is the idea. It's not that we're enjoying the persecution. It's we're blessed. Uh, They've seen something in us that they hate. And who do they hate more than Jesus Christ? Nobody. And so obviously you're doing it right. God has blessed you that you're doing it right. So uh, you go through it, and again, you're looking to him for strength. How about famine? Most often the results from persecution. If we do see a persecution of Christians in this country, what do you think is going to happen? Imagine with me for just a moment. I believe it's a house member in Colorado that is uh, trying to get a law introduced and therefore passed where if you haven't been vaccinated... Uh, they and you get COVID and have to go to the hospital, they don't want the insurance companies to pay for any of that. They want you to have to pay for all of it. Well, if they'll do that to any American citizen, what happens when they decide y'all are the ones that burned down Rome? Okay? Uh, we'll probably be put in a situation where You're not just going off to the store and buying anything you want like we always have, right? So that's the idea here. A famine most often results from persecution. How about nakedness? The word here is not the idea of being nude. It's just destitute because of persecution. Okay? Um, Peril. Danger in general. Uh, Driving down 70 (laughs) during uh, the day. Uh, Sword. This sword is a large dagger used by assassins, implying that they're trying to murder you. Okay, so is murder, being murdered, going to separate you from the love of Christ? And he goes on and quotes... Uh, Psalm forty four twenty two out of the Septuagint, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. He, he repeats this idea again in First uh, Corinthians fifteen thirty and thirty one. He says, and w- uh, why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? I affirm by the bo- by the boasting in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. Or 2 Corinthians 4.11, for we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Now, he may be speaking specifically to dying to self, but he's in the kind of danger that he needs God's grace to shine in the midst of that, and and that's the idea there. So there's actually physical danger there, uh, and he quotes that here. Christians should not be surprised by suffering. Now, let me tell you a secret. Most Christians are surprised when they have to suffer. Let me tell you the first suffering that they're surprised about. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, they may be surprised that this is a part of the Christian life because someone told them, if you just trust Jesus, everything's going to be wonderful. That would be a false teacher. (laughs) True story, brother. Uh, They may be uh, surprised by that. But they may just be surprised because sometimes those very trials that you're going through come from the other people in the church. Kind of like, you know, if someone wants to beat me up because I'm preaching the gospel, I'm I'm, okay, I understand that. But that person's supposedly a brother or sister in Christ. And kind of like, yeah, iron sharpens iron. What happens when you rub two pieces together? Ask Dave about breaks. <laughs> Things get hot, <laughs> okay? Uh, sometimes the conflict that happens between members of the church is specifically because God is allowing you to suffer. Sometimes you're suffering so that you learn how to endure with other people. Love covers a multitude of sin. We, we evangelicals, we want to confront that stuff. You just take care of it right now. Sometimes you just got to put up with it and try and love them enough to help them grow up. Oh. So uh, whole point being is we shouldn't be surprised if we're going to suffer, whether it be through little trials or 35 miles an hour in a 45-mile-an-hour zone. That, that's okay. That one's mine, okay, uh, or brothers and sisters in the church that didn't, didn't say hi to me when I walked by. And if you think I'm kidding about that one, I'm not. People get upset in the church because someone didn't acknowledge their presence. (sighs) Love them enough until they grow up, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, But beyond that, get spit in the face by someone who doesn't like hearing the gospel. Slamming a door is easy, but when they actually spit in your face, just a little bit of the flesh wants to come out and say, Oh, yeah? Okay, Uh, we shouldn't be surprised by suffering. And again, you can read Hebrews 11 uh, 36 to 38. Let me see, I, I have it here. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. That's specifically speaking of Isaiah the prophet. Uh, They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. So... Uh, we shouldn't be surprised by suffering. Number three, yet in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Uh, the idea of being more than conquerors is, uh, the word, uh, hooper uh, to vanquish beyond, to gain a decisive victory, more than a conqueror, literally to hyper conquer, or to overconquer. now, I, I don 't know about you, but if your spiritual life was anything like mine, it, it took a little while to get to that point. It, it seemed like I was being conquered more than overconquering. Uh, the thing is is, again, that's developing of the spiritual muscles, developing of knowledge, developing of that relationship with the Lord, where you, you're recognizing, you know, without him, I can do nothing. Um, recently talking to someone that was telling me they had a, uh, uh, a bad habit with uh, the use of their computer. And uh, I said, you know, you need to understand something. The only way you overcome some of these things is you've got to flood your mind so much with the Word of God that that's the only thing that comes out. And what do we want to do? We want to have our 20-minute devotional. That's a long one, by the way. And uh, we'd like 10-minute sermons. uh, Oh, well, you're not getting that here. (laughs) Um, We we want it to be easy. And it's not. It takes time to develop the relationship, the knowledge, uh, the putting the knowledge into practice. But as we learn how to walk with Him, we become... More than conquerors. How? Okay. Let me make sure I'm in the right place here. Through him. Well, let me just read a few verses here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 2, 14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and uh, through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. I, I like that because we got one of those uh, diffusers, you know, put a little bit of oil in there and turn it on. And That's what we're supposed to be doing as we live and we talk about Jesus and we sing about Jesus and uh, we, we give an example of what he's like in the way we deal with people. We're, we're diffusers. Uh, just saying. Uh, 2 Corinthians twelve nine, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Uh, one of the reasons why I don't have too much of a problem telling you about some of my struggles is because, um, look, it's not a matter of hiding it. It's not a matter of making me look better. It's a matter of, it's only as I am humble and recognize, Lord, this is an area that the power of Christ rests upon me. And I experience that overcoming. 1 John 4, 4. uh, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he that is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And then the next chapter, 5, verses 4 and 5. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Now, again, if you just read that verse as a young Christian, you recognize, boy, I just blew it five times, you'd sit there and say, I guess I must not be saved. No, no, let's let's read on here, okay? And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. See, again, those spiritual muscles, we learn to walk by faith. It doesn't come naturally. It's all available at the moment of salvation, but we have a tendency to lean on our own own understanding uh to be able to see touch taste feel uh we got our emotions all wrapped up in something and we kind of miss the point that that's not what's giving you the real picture it's what god says about that well where does it say in the bible about it's all there. There is nothing new under the sun. It may not talk about computers. It may not talk about this. But it talks about the problems that a lot of those things bring. It's a matter of coming back here and finding out uh, what God has for us. And then, of course, uh, Revelation twelve eleven. I read a little bit earlier for you. Uh, Again, we are more than conquerors through Him. So that brings us to the conclusion of the matter in verses 38 through 39. He says, For I am persuaded. The word there is patho. It basically means to be convinced. And, of course, in 2 Timothy one twelve, pastor's favorite song, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him until that day. What did we commit to him? Our own souls. And he's able to keep it until that day. Okay? Why? Because... He chose it from before the foundations of the world. He foreknew us. He predestined us. He uh, called us. He justified us. And He has already glorified us. He who began that good, in, uh, good work in us will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So I am convinced. I am persuaded. What uh, can't separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord? Well, he goes on and talks about a few more things. Death. Psalm 23, 4. I like this verse. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. How about Psalm 116, verse 15? Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. (laughs) See, though he is with us, when we die, we actually go to be with him. Yeah, he is with us. (laughs) <laughs> Up there? Yeah. I don't think there'd be any doubts at that moment, okay? Um, and then, of course, Second Corinthians 5 eight, We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. You know, uh, anytime I go on a trip, a flight, uh, driving over to Kansas City, uh, how, how long does it take for life to be snuffed out? You don't know when it's going to happen, do you? God does, of course, Psalm 139. He knows exactly when it's going to happen. He's numbered your days. You're not living a day longer. You're not leaving a day earlier. But, you know, I'm driving down 70, and I've seen enough of those videos where someone does something, it looks stupid from this perspective, who knows what was going on in the situation, but boom, 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 all of a sudden five cars are destroyed, And people in them, you know, some of them didn't make it, that kind of thing. So anytime I go on a trip, it's one of those things that kind of crosses my mind. I just sit there and say, well, Lord, if today's the day, keep my wife alive, though. Someone's got to collect our life insurance. (laughs) Uh, Just joking about that part. Uh, So uh, death, nor life, verse 35. Uh, Angels, nor principalities, nor powers. Uh, Ephesians one twenty-one here far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in uh, that which is to come. Talking about Jesus' position over principalities and powers. Uh, Ephesians six twelve. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Colossians 1.16, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And then Colossians 2.15, I really love this one, Having disarmed principalities and powers he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it <laughs> you think about it with me for just a minute here he is he's dead he's in the grave the stone is there and the devil and his uh, his group of minions are just partying having a good time and then all of a sudden that stone gets rolled away, and Christ is alive and For the people that are there, the Roman soldiers, there's an angel sitting on top of that stone, saying, "Yeah, what are you gonna do about it? They all pass out they're they're so afraid uh the angels couldn't keep them there the the fallen ones uh he's alive, and in so doing, he has disarmed them. they have no Ability to do anything without permission because he's king of kings and lord of lords. Okay, so angels, principalities, powers, no, they're not going to do it. How about things present or things to come? This would include everything that we experience. Uh, Once again, we go back to who is God? What is he like? Uh, We have him predetermining to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. Well, what if this happens? Yes. Well, what if that happens? Yes. Nothing is getting by him. There is no plan B when it comes to God fulfilling his plan. It's not as though something happens, Satan throws a wrench in the wheel, and now what am I going to do? Just give me a minute, I'll think about it. Okay, I got an idea. And believe me, I was taught that in Bible college. You know, Haman came up with this idea to kill all the Jews. God had to come up with another plan. It's like this battle going back and forth. It's kind of like, no, God knew it was going to happen that way. He already had it all planned out. Well, that kind of makes it seem like we're robots. Yeah. You can continue to make all those arguments all you want. You are just as involved in making decisions as anything, and yet God knows exactly what you're going to decide. He hasn't determined you're going to decide. Well, sometimes he does, but he knows what you're going to decide. You're not, you're not shocking him. You're not surprising him. So uh, things present, things to come. Uh, nor height, nor depth. The words there are hoopsuma, an elevated place, bathos, profundity, uh, or extent, mystery, deep, deepness, depth. Uh, I'll be honest with you, the commentary couldn't give me enough information on this idea. But let's say anything that's up here, anything that's down here, none of that can separate you either, nor to, no, no to see the last thing, nor any other created thing. What isn't created? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So the only uncreated being, of course, is God. And notice what it says here. None of these things, nor any other created thing, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Again, that concept of being in the realm of Christ. The Spirit of God takes you, the moment of salvation, baptizes you, places you into the invisible body of Christ, the church, the organism that you can't see the sidewalls of. And He seals you there until... Four, use whatever preposition you want to, doesn't change the meaning, the day of redemption. When's the day of redemption? When the, the Spirit of God is the down payment? When the full payment, when this body, this mortal puts on immortality, this corrupted puts on incorruptibility, you're sealed until then. You are secure if you're born again, if your faith is in who Christ is, what He has done. There is, therefore, now no condemnation because you're in Christ and nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? All right. Well, let's close in prayer. And Lord willing, see you Wednesday night. Father, we do thank you. Again, biblically, theologically, there is no way a saved person can stop being saved and be unsaved. Yet we know, Lord, that many people have been led into a profession, not necessarily the possession of the Spirit of God. Uh, Many have joined the church and walked like us, with us for a period of time, but then they go off into the world. Doesn't mean they knew you. We recognize, Lord, sometimes bitterness Pet sins get us down, where maybe we don't walk as close with you as we could. We probably aren't going to feel very saved. Most looking in from the outside aren't going to think we're saved. But we do know, Lord, that you're the one that does the work in the heart. So we would ask, Father, that for those of us that know you, that you would open our hearts and our minds to the things that you have for us. Give us grace to walk in the depth of the relationship that we can have with you, not just do church on Sunday morning. For those that are kind of stuck on things, Lord, that you would teach them the things they need so that they can be overcomers. And Lord, for those who don't know you, that you would open their eyes to their need so that they too might trust you. Thank you for your love and care for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.